expressed or discussed by show hosts or their guests. We suggest you always consult with your own personal, medical, financial, or legal advisor. Welcome to Marianne Live. I'm Marianne Camarado. We're going to be talking about stress today. Stress. We have a solution for the stress. I'm going to call it the stress. I'm not going to name it. I'm not going to call it your stress or our stress. It's just going to be stress. It gets to be its own thing today. Particularly for so many of us feeling all kinds of challenges, challenging things these days. Let's just leave it like that and and do what we generally like to do at the beginning of every hour, which is practice. Practice some of the skills and tools that help us get present, get grateful, get grounded, so we can receive the gifts that our guest today, Dr. Sierra McCauley, who's joining us, has written a new book for us called The Stress Solution. Thank goodness, just in time. We're going to learn about empathy and cognitive behavioral therapy. Some people hear CBT. I don't know what that is, but we're going to talk about that today. And if you know what that is and you're interested, you're certainly in the right place. But for everybody else, stress is such a gigantic pandemic issue for most of us two-leggeds on the planet. I would imagine even for four-leggeds and, and on and on. Um, yeah, giant deal. So let's just take a moment and turn our attention inwards, finding our breath. Noticing where it is in your body. When we give it attention, I don't know about you, but somehow my nervous system just starts to relax. That might not be what's happening for you. Sometimes when we turn our attention towards our breath, uh, things get activated. Just notice there's nothing to do about it except notice. Reminding yourself that you have the skills to regulate your breath. Yep, you're that powerful. If you are activated, find your feet. There may be a good reason for you being excited or jacked up right now. Maybe you've had too much green tea like me. (laughs) Maybe you're stressed out. Whatever the case, just noticing your breath will help maybe just bring you into some kind of a more even place or place that you want to be. I like to find an audible breath sometimes, just hearing my sound. Listen to your sound on the exhale. That sometimes helps as well. My shoulders get up around my earlobes. Yeah, just taking another moment to find your breath, noticing your body. There we go. Feeling that collective hum just a little bit. And we turn our attention towards our portal of gratitude. If you're just joining us for the first time, sometimes gratitude is one of those words that people find as a cliche. And I'll just remind you, like breath, it is essential in terms of creating a perspective that helps us move through the world with expansion and groundedness. And uh, we do have the ability to change our perspective. My favorite question to ask you is who 
helped make it possible for you to do what you're doing right now. Right? That's a great portal, wonderful place to climb through. Pick anything, whatever you had, your last meal, if it's making its way down your digestive tract. How many tens of hundreds of thousands of people helped bring that food to you? Maybe it was you. Maybe you have a garden. Or maybe, as I like to drive up the central coast in California, and I drive by the workers in deep reverence for each of those people jamming around the fields, making it possible for me to eat clean, healthy food. Or maybe it's the electronic device you have in your hand. How many people helped put that together? The electricity in your house. Maybe you have to go back through history. Thank Thomas Edison. doesn't matter. Find your list. Enjoy the journey. I'm going to go down our list of folks who helped make it possible to bring you 24 hours a day, seven days a week, beautiful, positive talk radio at HealthyLife.net Radio. Linda McKenzie and Jay Cruz are on the top of my list, always and in my heart. They help us here at Marion Live bring it to you weekly for the last decade. Um, also, our honorary sponsor at the global level is the OneWorldChildrenFund.org, if you're online. They help unite people to improve the lives of children affected by poverty. Uh, at the national level, the National Action Organization, helping change the way our culture values each other, NACTION.org. They make this program possible. 100% of the proceeds goes to programming just like this. Check them out. And at the local level, uh, we're here in California. We've been sponsored by the Open Secret Bookstore in San Rafael, California, for the last decade, and we love them. We love bookstores. You know we love books here at Marion Live. That's uh, part of why we do what we do. We love the authors who devote their lives to doing the research, gathering and garnering the experience, putting it together. Oh, my gosh, talk about a gratitude list. It takes a village to write a book, and then they get to share it with you here on our program. Well, Open Secret Bookstore has a myriad of books, the latest in meditation and revelation. Check them out if you're in the area. <sighs> All right, you're breathing, you're noticing your gratitude list, and we're getting ready to talk about stress. Oh, did we lose you on that? <laughs> Does the stress level go back up? Don't worry, Dr. Arthur Sierra McCauley is with us. He's going to be with us all hour. He's written a beautiful, really comprehensive book called The Stress Solution, using empathy and cognitive behavioral therapy to reduce anxiety and develop resilience. This is one of my favorite words, by the way, resilience. It is so important to develop resilience in the culture, the culture of the globe at this time. Uh, so we're going to be talking with him this hour. And just so you know, our author today, Dr. Arthur Sierra McCauley, uh, who has written this beautiful book, is a Ph.D. and licensed clinical psychologist and the chief medical officer of soundminds.org, a popular mental health platform. Uh, he's been on the faculty of Harvard Medical School and chief psychologist of Metro West Medical Center. He's the author of several books, including The Power of Empathy and Performance Addiction, and he lives with his family in Massachusetts. Boston, A, <laughs> Pak, the Ka, and Havid Yad. Everyone has to say that. I can't help it. Okay, Dr. Sierra McCauley, we're so glad you're joining us today. Welcome to the program. Well, 
Thank you very much, Marianne, for having me. I appreciate it. You're very, very calming, incidentally. You have a wonderful voice. Oh, I'm so glad. It's, I think it's useful for your title as well, right? We, we want to find ways to calm and see if we can keep our feet on the ground during a really stressful time on the planet. What do you think about what's happening all over the globe? My goodness. Well, I'm very concerned, obviously. Um, it, it's devastating to me, Marianne, the, the amount of terrorism, the killings. Yeah. Um, we're in a very, very difficult time in our lives, in our society in America. You know, empathy, the empathy percentages are down. Americans trust fewer people. Our prejudice rates are up. Uh, 75% of visits to primary care physicians last year were due to stress. 50% of Americans are saying they wake up every night due to stress. 75% are saying during the day they're suffering from stress physically or emotionally. So we're not doing well. We're not doing well in terms of, I think, what you were talking about, which is being grateful, gracious, and present. We live in a very fast-paced society, and I think many people are very frightened as well. Yeah. Hard to cultivate some of these skills uh, during such a hectic, crazy, frightening time on the planet, a time like no other, some people are saying. Let's talk a little bit about how we're designed as human beings to cope with stress. And then let's talk a little bit about stress itself. What is it, and is it all the same thing? Well, you know, Marianne, we, we, everybody has stresses in their lives, but I think people today use the word so often because we're stressed on a daily basis. And I think stress is primarily produced by the way we perceive. You know, being able to per perceive accurately is crucial to reducing stress and, and, and ridding yourself of old bias thinking based on early conditioning, which distorts reality and causes unnecessary tension. And empathy, why I emphasize empathy so much in this book, is it makes it easy to recognize and change cognitive distortions because when we're using empathy, when we're employing empathy, we're using the thinking part of the brain, as I know you know. And rather than reacting quickly emotionally, we slow ourselves down to be present. And when we're giving and receiving empathy, we can learn to perceive more accurately and reduce stress levels. We also come to see where our biases are. You know, I, I think we all grow up sort of writing a novel about ourselves early in life, and mm -hmm. a lot of what we come to think about in terms of ourselves and other people is due to our early conditioning. And I think we have to make that novel a nonfiction book. I think that's what our job as adults is, right. to receive enough feedback from objective, reasonable people that we come to rewrite the story about who we are and, and also about the prejudice and biases about what we think about other people. Right. Well, here's one of the most exciting things about your book, I think, just right off the bat, is making that differentiation, that one differentiation that we actually have agency, that we actually can do what you're saying. So many of us um, have heard, you know, a lot of this, like a social meme, well, I'm just the way I am, ah, because of my childhood. You know, we, we have these beliefs that are so embedded that yeah. we rarely unpack them, we rarely look. But when, when I picked up your book, it was one of the first things you addressed is, hey, here's the, the map of the territory, and let's get to work because we can do this. This is a really important point. Let's talk about that a little bit more. Well, you know, we're, we're born with empathy. And, uh, uh, you know, so many times, and I'm sure you, you've, you've experienced this in your work as well, that we're told that certain people don't have the empathy gene. 
And then when I have people in my group sessions and my training on empathy sessions, over time they develop empathy. You know, my daughter, our daughter is a kindergarten teacher, and she will tell you out in the kindergarten playground, she has 22 kids in her class, children in her class this year. Eleven of them are from other countries. And when they're out playing with each other as kindergarten children, they're all hugging each other. The boys have as much empathy as, as the girls do. They're very affectionate with each other. They don't notice the color of each other's skin. They don't know whose religion is different than theirs. They don't really care. They just relate, and they relate with a great deal of empathy. What she's noticed in her, in her career is that by the time they're in the third or fourth, fifth grade, you see a difference. Why do you see a difference? Because of what they're exposed to. And their empathy goes underground. Because a lot of times kids are growing up with certain prejudice about other types of people because of what they hear at home, other religions, other cultures. And then we begin to become more cloistered. We, we begin to become more narrow in terms of who our friends are. And we teach our children this. And what we need to teach our children is how to connect empathically, is to look beyond the cover of the book, beyond the surface, to see into the heart and souls of other people. And when we do that, you know, we realize that most people are more like us than unlike us. Yeah. You know, all human beings want to be loved, want to be respected, want to be understood, and want to be heard. It, 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 it's universal. But when we only look at the surface or some of the very old conditioning that we learned very early in life, we shut ourselves off from certain people unnecessarily. Right. So your book actually, uh, by the way, if you're just joining us, Dr. Arthur Sierra McCauley, he's with us this hour talking about his new book, The Stress Solution, using empathy and CBT therapy to reduce anxiety and develop resilience. So we're talking a little bit about uh, sort of how we come to want to make any change, uh, recognizing stress uh, here uh, as the main culprit. How do we address stress, uh, particularly in this culture, this global culture of fear and, and terror and so forth? Uh, understanding, uh, you just said that, uh, Dr. Sierra McCauley, that everybody just wants to be connected. We're relational creatures. However, not everybody responds the same to stress. So let's talk about that and, and what exactly stress is. Well, stress is produced when we're fearful, when we're uncomfortable, and then when, we're, when we have that experience, we produce cortisol, the stress hormone. And when we produce cortisol on an ongoing basis, it can have very damaging effects. It produces negative thinking. It also can cause weight gain, inflammation, hair loss. It breaks down muscle tissue. It causes flabbiness, depression, anxiety, and it also causes memory loss. It actually re kills neurons in the memory center of the brain. And also, most importantly, it makes us very poor partners. I mean, when you're stressed and you have cortisol in your system on, a, on an ongoing basis, you're not present, you can't, you, it reduces the amount of empathy we have for people who are close to us. So it's actually making us less available when we don't even realize it. And most importantly, I mean, why I wrote a chapter on prejudice in this book is that when we're prejudiced, we have multiple stressors in our system. We're producing cortisol all the time. And it's like we're walking through a minefield of relationships. We don't like Irish people. We don't like Polish people. We don't like African Americans. We don't like Muslims. I mean, then our world becomes smaller and smaller and smaller, and it produces depression. One of the most important pieces I think that is missing in our weight programs, weight management programs, is that when you have excess cortisol in your system, it throws off blood sugar levels, which makes us crave sugary foods and increases the size of fat cells. So it's one of those unknown factors in weight management. It actually makes us want to eat the wrong thing. Mm. Right. And, and, you know, it just has many of those destructive 
possibilities. It even there's a, there's a study that came out of Australia last week that even found that chronic stress increases, increases activity in the lymphatic system, allowing cancer to spread six times faster than it would ordinarily. All right. So stress is a giant concern, clearly one of the biggest. And there's some research, I don't know where I heard this, I wish I did off the top of my head, um, that, that some stress is good. So let's make the distinction between good stress and bad stress here. Well, for instance, if you or I were speaking, uh, we're going to do a speaking engagement in front of 5,000 people today, we may have some cortisol in our system, mm -hmm. correct? I mean, we may be yeah. a little, have some anxiety before a tennis match or uh, you're playing golf before a shot. You may have a little tension. So a minor amount of cortisol can cause concentration, can cause us to be more focused, but when we produce it, when it's fabricated, and that's where perception comes in, that's why perception is so critically important. When we're misperceiving, and that's why I focus on cognitive behavioral therapy because they, that approach focuses on cognitive distortions. Like when we're generalizing or using black and white thinking or catastrophizing or minimizing or magnifying, these are all distorted ways of not seeing the truth. And when we don't see the truth, we're on shaky ground all the time and we're producing more cortisol. So it's very focused on, under, you know, empathy is very truth-oriented. It teaches us to slow down and really try to ascertain the facts about another person and also about ourselves. All right, so during the program, we're gonna talk about empathy, uh, what it is, how it affects our brain, all the different ways that we can use the practices that you've laid out for us. But before we get to that and before we go to the break, let's talk a little bit now about folks and how they respond differently to stress and why that is. I mean, you've mentioned some of them. You know, depending on how we were raised as children, some people were exposed to more trauma, for example, versus others. Yes. Um, However, are people wired differently as well? I mean, is it the, the nature or nurture story here? What do we, what do we have going? Well, I think, I think, Marianne, it's more nurture. I, I think, you know, as I mentioned before, we kind of have that fictitious story about ourselves that, that we create early in life. You know, it's as if we're, we're looking in, into a mirror of our parents, our teachers, our coaches, whoever it is that's in our life that's significant. But if, and we're trying to find out who we are, but if those mirrors are, are look, we're looking into are cracked or inaccurate, you get a distorted view of yourself at, like you're looking in a circus mirror. And that creates stress because, I mean, you know from your career, there's so many people who think they're unintelligent, they're not athletic, they're not attractive, and it's all mythical. It was based on some early conditioning that, that really is not based in fact at all. And how do we unlearn that? Because it creates such a negative self-voice that we're repeating these negative things to ourselves that are not true all the time. The only way out of this is to interact with other people. The transformation comes in relationships. That's where the change comes. We can't do it alone. We can't sit and read a book or, or just think to ourselves about trying to unravel some of these tapes. We have to get honest feedback from other people who have empathy, that giving and receiving of empathy. And good friends, you know, give us what we need to hear, not what we want to hear. Talk about it. Yeah, that's beautiful. I'm so glad you brought this up, and we'll, we'll bring this up again and again, I hope, that healing happens in relationship. This is a paradigm shift for most people in the Western culture 
because we are so used to being insular, um, you know, freedom, individuation, all of that kind of momentum that moved us through the Enlightenment period all the way up to now this the threshold of disaster. I think we've gotten our lesson out of that. Yes, we are independent. However, we need to be interdependent, people. We were set up that way. Uh, Dr. Sierra McCauley is going to talk with us when we come back after the break about how our brains do work, how we can use empathy, understand empathy, uh, and be in relationship to healing with ourselves and each other. Um, before we go to the break, Dr. Sierra McCauley, um, <clears throat> let's just start with a definition of empathy. Well, empathy is the capacity to understand the unique experiences of another and to be able to respond to them. It's basically everyday mind reading. You know, it is really being able to see beyond the surface and into the heart and soul of another person. Beautiful. And I think we all do it whether we realize it or not. So don't touch that dial. Just sit with that idea for a moment. Notice where you feel that in your body. Notice what happens to your breath when you just contemplate empathy. When we get back, more right after these messages with Dr. Sierra McCauley, The Stress Solution is the title of his new book, and uh, we'll be talking about that for the rest of the program. Back in just a minute. I don't want to date anymore. What? Did you break up again? You said he's perfect. Well, I don't blame you. My last date lasted two minutes at a speed dating event. Are you still looking for the one? There are millions of singles looking for soulmates. Actually, drama-free love. Worry no more. Nine international relationship experts collaborated to bring you secrets to drama-free love. Proven solutions that singles use to help them find, catch, and keep the right relationship. Get your copy of Secrets to Drama-Free Love at Amazon.com now. We've ordered No More Love Life Drama for Us. Hi, everybody. I'm relationship expert and radio talk show host Marianne Camarado. And I'm David Reynaud. We want to talk to you for a minute about the changing world of dating and relationships and how self-inquiry can help. I mean, did you know that 44% of the U.S. population is single and over 50% end in divorce? Yet, we spend an average of one-third of our lives trying to find a great relationship or get help with the ones we already have. Yep, that's exactly why we created the first ever of its kind, the Great Relationships Begin Within Self-Inquiry Divination Deck, because we know what it takes to attract and create a healthy, fulfilling, sustainable relationship. And it's really simple. Sit quietly, close your eyes, turn your attention inward, and draw a card. You can go online right now and get a free reading on Marianne Lied and try out the cards. And for under $20, what better way to give yourself a gift of your own attention? We wish you every blessing. We'll see you next time. Check out MarianneLive.com. Okay, so you have a couple of days off, and you're planning to get away from stress. You may be planning to go across the world or even taking a staycation around town. Well, Hotels.com can get you a room in over 158,000 hotels, 60 countries, for 50% off. That's reducing stress already. Plus, collect 10 nights, and you'll get one night free. And there's no cancellation charges, no change fees. For the best deals, even last-minute deals, visit HealthyLife.net's advertiser page and click on Hotels.com. Music, information, and friends. HealthyLife.net. 
Dr. Sierra McCauley is with us today on Marianne Live, and he is in the right place because we need him. Look at we all, he says, we work too much, sleep too little, love with half a heart, and wonder why we're unhappy and unhealthy. He's sharing with us simple, realistic, powerful techniques this hour for using empathy and cognitive behavioral therapy to perceive situations accurately, correct our distorted thinking, and trigger our own neurochemistry to produce calm, focused energy. Doesn't that sound so good? I bet it's super easy, too. <laughs> Sorry, we can't help you there, folks. we got to do the work. All right, well, that's why you wrote a book for us, okay? You're going to help us along. Listen, before we went to break, you were, we were talking about the definition of empathy. Mm-hmm. So let's pick up where we left off and, and get you know, dig deeper in here to how we can find some of these skills and develop them and so on. Well, I was saying, Marianne, that empathy is the capacity to understand and respond to the unique experiences of another. So not only understanding, but responding. And it's different than sympathy. You know, sympathy rushes into console without having the facts, and it's based on identifying. Just uh, a, a brief example of a, a client of mine, her mom passed away last year, actually from California, and she moved to Massachusetts. And she's only been in the neighborhood in Massachusetts for a short time, and she heard one of the neighbor's uh, father passed away. So she was devastated when her dad died, and she was very upset and still is grieving. So she put together a basket of flowers and food, and she went down to the neighbor's home and rang the doorbell. And when the neighbor answered, she said, oh, my God, you must be devastated. I heard your father died. I was devastated when my father died, and I know it's so awful. I'm still not over it. And the neighbor looked at her, and she said, thank you for being so generous, but my father left our family when I was two years old. I wouldn't know my father if he was walking down the street. Never saw him again, so I appreciate your your generosity, but um, I'm not devastated. I never knew my father. So sympathy rushes in because that experience was, you must be experiencing what I experienced. Empathy says there's a uniqueness in our experience. So I don't know what you experience, and I don't know is one of the best phrases of empathy because it assumes I don't have the facts. So if she was asking if she happened to bump into this woman in the supermarket or whatever, she could have said, oh, gee, I'm sorry to hear about this. How are you? Or how was it for you? Or what was your relationship like with your father? You, you try to ask open-ended questions. That's one of the key to empathy is asking open-ended questions. Closed-ended questions sort of shut the door. Open-ended questions say, I want to learn about your unique experience. Yeah. Well, this is a beautiful pivot from... I don't know, being self-absorbed is one way of looking at it. You talk about that in the book. Or just programming. You know, so many of us don't even think about our responses. We don't do the, the kind of inquiry you're inviting us to do. So this is not a point by any means for anybody listening. If you're a person who responds with sympathy, what we want to do is notice it. Yes. Oh, yeah, I do that a lot. Sometimes yeah. people think they're relating. Sometimes yeah. people think they're they're really doing you know the best that they can, and you are probably making an attempt to do that. This is a shift. This is one great example of doing the inquiry, noticing, wow, this is maybe not as effective as it could be. And you talk about this in your book, getting feedback from people outside of ourselves, maybe a good place to launch into this. Yeah. What are people saying about the way that you communicate? And, yeah. and what is it telling you about yourself in this regard, right? 
Yes, and I think, Marianne, this is where, you know, you mentioned you like the term resilience. This is where resilience comes in. For instance, my client, when that woman told her about the experience, she said, oh, my God, I'm sorry. And, she, you see, she realized she wasn't defensive or slighted. She realized that she was off. And she invited her in for tea, and they sat down, and they got to know each other. And they told each other's stories. They were giving and receiving empathy because a lot of times we're off. We're not mind readers. So I may think, you know, you may be frowning and I may think you're angry with me. And I say, Marianne, you're angry with me? And you say, no, I've got a migraine. You know, so we get in touch again. Ask, ask a question, we get in touch, and look, we're not going to be perfect at it. This is not something that you, if, you, if you try to perfect your way into it, you'll miss the mark. Yeah. We have to keep asking and, and trying to interact, and I'm trying to understand you. Yeah. And people tend to be very open when we do that. And, and what's really critically important is, and we talked about stress producing the stress hormone cortisol, but when we give and receive empathy, we produce oxytocin, this near miracle neurotransmitter that you know you produce, women produce when they have a baby. It actually increases empathy. Cortisol reduces empathy and increases anxiety. Oxytocin reduces cortisol, reduces anxiety, expands empathy, makes us feel secure and comfortable with another person, and it opens us up to being vulnerable and more loving. It's a critical factor for long-term relationships, long-term uh, friendships, and, and very, very important in parenting as well. So let's talk about some more examples. I, I'm going to project here. I'll take responsibility for this big projection, but I personally love hearing these stories, like about your client. Uh, they help me learn how to make these distinctions and differentiate um, some of the ways that I move through the world. I'm imagining some of our listeners may feel the same way. Uh, we have different learning styles, but storytelling, I think, is, is a great way to learn. Could you give us some more examples of, let's take a couple of the dom domains that you mentioned, like parenting. Let's take a scenario, maybe one will come to mind, where you could respond in the sympathetic manner versus empathetic and how we make that shift, something that might be useful. Well, it, it, a, a mother, um, a teenage girl comes home, and she just had her first date with a boy, and the mother says, honey, do you really think he was cute? Um, well, that's a closed-end question, right? And most questions are statements. What she's really saying is, I didn't think he was cute. Do, do you? The, the, the way to make an open-ended inquiry would have been to, how did your date go? What was it like? I, I'll give you a, a great example, I think a great example, pardon me, from um, one of my group experiences. So I add a woman a few weeks, I add a woman to a group, and uh, one of the women says to her, how come you're, you joined the group? What happened? She goes, well, I'm going through a divorce, and Dr. C, I, know, I had read some of his writings, and I know he does groups, and I thought it would be better for me to learn more about how I relate, especially how I relate to men. And one of the women said, honey, you gotta get a, you got to get my Boston attorney. He's a real hard-nosed guy. Your husband can take you to the cleaners. I've been through this. And another woman joined in, and she said the same thing. And one of the guys was shaking his head like this, and I said, Roy, how come you're shaking your head? He said, I don't know. I mean, we're telling Mary to get these hard-nosed attorneys, and she's going to get taken to the cleaners, and she's got to defend herself. We haven't even asked her what the nature of her relationship is. And so he asked her, he said, Mary, what, what's going on? And she said, you know, I was pregnant when I was a senior in high school, so we got married. In those days, that's what you did. And my husband is a very good person, and we don't have a lot of animosity to each other, but we were never in love with each other. She said, I'm 48 years old. 
I want to be in love someday. I want to take the chance to be in love someday. I love my husband as a human being, but I've never been in love in my entire life. I've had one man in my life, and he's had one woman in his life. He's been responsible. We've never cheated on each other. We both have decent character, and we don't need hard-nosed attorneys. We have a mediator, and we're all set to go to court and get this done for $2,800. Wow. See, one person had empathy because he asked an open-ended question. What are the facts of your experience? The other two women, who were very good people who were trying to help, jumped in and said, oh, you must experience what I experienced. Yeah, exactly. But she didn't. And so in that environment, what happens? They're learning that their sensitivity is about their recent divorces. And we all have that, right? We all know where we're hurt. If you were hurt by whoever or whatever recently, you're more vulnerable. You're more likely to read into something. So we have to say, hey, look, I'm going through a divorce. i got to hold back when I hear about somebody else's yeah. before yeah. I start projecting. Yeah. Now, when we get back after the break, uh, Dr. Sierra McCauley, let's talk a little bit. We're going to go backwards and talk a little bit about being so self-absorbed. The part of us that maybe is just programmed to think through the lens of our own experience only uh, and how we can, some other ways we can make that shift when we get back right after these messages right here on Marian Live. Don't worry, we've got the stress solution for you. Oh, yeah, it's a book. You can get it online when you're uh, at the break. Don't worry. Or you can also go to Dr. Sarah McCulley's website, balanceyoursuccess.com. In the meantime, uh, back in just a minute, everybody sit tight. I don't want to date anymore. What? Did you break up again? You said he's perfect. Well, I don't blame you. My last date lasted two minutes at a speed dating event. Are you still looking for the one? There are millions of singles looking for soulmates. Actually, drama-free love. Worry no more. Nine international relationship experts collaborated to bring you secrets to drama-free love. Proven solutions that singles use to help them find, catch, and keep the right relationship. Get your copy of Secrets to Drama-Free Love at Amazon.com now. We've ordered, ordered No, no More, More Love Life Drama, drama for, for Us. Shh, over here. Here's a secret for a virus-free computer. ESET, they've been a pioneer in the antivirus industry for over 25 years. 25 years of innovative, top-rated antivirus protection. ESET's award-winning security solutions provide a safe online experience for over 100 million home and business computer owners. They are so affordable, fast, and simple to use. So be gone, you blue screen of death. ESET's on my computer. If it's not on yours, visit HealthyLife.net's advertiser page and click on ESET now. Did you know that in seven minutes you might save $522 on car insurance? Well, this makes sense. Since 21st Century Insurance's company's website has been rated number one in responsiveness by Keynote. Serving customers since 1958, 21st Century Insurance has a 24-7 online policy and claim service. You can get a quote fast and easy, so get your quote by visiting HealthyLife.net's advertiser page and click right on the 21st Century Insurance banner. More exhilarating talk. HealthyLife.net Hey everybody, welcome back. You're in the right place. You're breathing in and out. You've got a line on that gratitude. And now we're talking about the stress 
solution with Dr. Sierra McCauley. Um, Doctor, we were talking just before we went to break a little bit about um, the idea of how we um, differentiate between um, empathy and sympathy, and you were giving us some great examples. And then I asked you about the way that we get sort of self-obsessed. How is it that we get so oriented to um, see everything through our own personal experience and we, we lose a line on how do we connect with other? Let's talk some more about that. Well, Marianne, I think we suffer, especially in America, from what I call performance addiction. The, the belief that perfecting appearance and achieving status will secure love and respect. It's an irrational belief system that begins in our families, but it's reinforced by our culture as well. I mean, we're very, very focused on appearance and status. And I think because we're so focused on appearance and status, we sacrifice character and integrity. We're, we're, so many parents are teaching their children that achievement is the way to gain love. And I'm all for achievement and competition. But when it, and it becomes an in and all in of itself, it can be extremely destructive and very self-absorbing. You're teaching children because they see their parents so self-absorbed and so focused on how they're always comparing and contrasting themselves to others. And they, can, they compare and contrast their kids to others and compare and contrast their spouses to others. They're what I call scoreboard watchers. They sort of look at the scoreboard every day to see how attractive or how, uh, what their achievements are and, and whether they're really on a high level today or not. And their competition isn't about a natural competition to be better in something they really love. It's really to make up for some lack in self-esteem and resilience and self-worth. And it also contributes to what I call image love. It's falling in love with someone because of how they look and how they seem and the status they have rather than who they are and what their character is. You know, you know I had a couple who, another couple actually, who moved here from California and um, they, they were not married very long, about 18 months. He was a CFO and she worked for him as an intern. And anyway, they married and um, she was talking about how impressed she was when she first saw him and you know, he would give these, these talks at staff meetings and so forth. Well, he was laid off. And they moved to Massachusetts because he thought he was going to go into partnership with a friend of his. And anyway, it was a startup. It didn't work. And she said, I just don't feel the same about him anymore. And I said, what, what do you mean? She said, well, I come home, and he's in his sweatpants on the Internet looking for jobs. And I said, well, what do you mean you don't feel the same way about him? Well, he doesn't even look the same. Look at him. And I'm looking at him, a guy with jeans and a shirt like I have on, and um, I don't see anything wrong with him. Mm -hmm. well, that's what I call image love. Mm -hmm. She doesn't really love him for who he is. And I don't think he really loves her for who she is either. I don't even think they know each other. Mm. You know, that early sexual relationship where I always say sex is binding and blinding in the early phases and yeah. the physical contact and, and you think you know the person intimately and you know nothing. You know, I mean, anybody can fall in love. It doesn't take a lot of skill. But maintaining love means that you have to know how to give and receive empathy, to be present, to want to listen on an empathic level, and to really know the other human being. Our appearances change. We get older. Our views change. We're growing. We're evolving human beings. We don't stay the same as a pitcher. You know, it's like, it's like buying a pitcher of the ocean versus going to the ocean. Which would you prefer? Um, and that's what I think we're stuck with, and that's what I think our kids are stuck with. I mean, the empathy rates of kids entering college now is significantly down. The narcissism rates are significantly up. Yeah, there, that is the truth, isn't it? And this is very disturbing for um, a culture who is at such a crucial time in, in, in this world to be connected to 
develop empathy on so many levels, not just the personal level, is it, is it you know, happens in your own personal relationship. This is essential for us as a culture, our, our communities, our humanity. This is a giant conversation here. It, it's, it's, it's so critically important, Marianne, because I think what people miss when they're, when they're chasing money, when they're chasing the climbing up the ladder just for it in and of itself is they're really chasing love. And, and that isn't the way to be loved. The way to be loved is to be present, to be giving. You know, we know giving people feel much better. They produce oxytocin. They produce serotonin. The, the natural chemical reactions they produce on their own by the way they are. They don't need a pill to do it. They know how to do it naturally. So let's say we find ourselves somewhere in this conversation as being a person who maybe struggles with this performance addiction or that we just uh, have a tendency to be... Uh, absorbed with ourselves and that kind of a thing. You've got some questionnaires at the back of the book that I love um, that folks can take. Can you talk about that a little bit so we can assess but also get some support around shifting from one, as you called it, uh, perspective to the other? Yes. Um, I have it at the end of the book. There's a, there's a stress questionnaire. There's an empathy questionnaire. There's a performance addiction questionnaire, and there's a self-talk questionnaire. And I ask people to take those questionnaires at the beginning of the book and then take them again at the end. And I ask people to read the book slowly. Don't try to just zip through it because after every chapter, there's questions that I ask you to, to journal about, and also there's a take action piece because I believe change is an active process. You know, you, you don't change by thinking alone. You have to put it into, into action and into a relationship. So I ask, ask you at the end of each chapter, ask the reader to take certain actions and share them with another person and receive feedback from the other person. So this is not an easy task. This is this work involved here. But I ask you to take those questionnaires at the end and then do the work as you're ongoing through the, through the book and share with someone close to you and then take them again at the end to see what progress you may have met. Are fantastic. Did you uh, seldom feel listened to as a child? Did you worry that if you didn't please your parents, you would lose their love? Right? Big questions. Sit tight, everybody. We're going to break. We'll be back in just a minute with Dr. Sierra McCauley for more on the stress solution. We're going to talk about authenticity when we get back and how that can really play an important role in reducing stress right after these messages. I don't want to date anymore. What? Did you break up again? You said he's perfect. Well, I don't blame you. My last date lasted two minutes at a speed dating event. Are you still looking for the one? There are millions of singles looking for soulmates. Actually, drama-free love. Worry no more. Nine international relationship experts collaborated to bring you secrets to drama-free love. Proven solutions that singles use to help them find, catch, and keep the right relationship. Get your copy of Secrets to Drama-Free Love at Amazon.com now. We've ordered No More Love Life Drama for Us. 
MarianneLive.com is where you can go to keep up to date with what and where relationship expert, author, and radio host Marianne Camarado is appearing next. Besides Marianne's three radio shows weekdays on HealthyLive.net, you can find out details about upcoming or ongoing seminars and workshops. How about information for ordering copies of books or DVDs? That's also available at MarianneLive.com. Find out about Core Certification, Certificate of Responsible Relationships, www.MarianneLive.com, Core Certification, Learning Tools to Attract, Build, and Sustain Great Relationships. Also sign up for Marianne's newsletter to be informed about upcoming events and possible workshops or speaking engagements in the Northern California area, www.MarianneLive.com. What does HealthyLife.net and Amazon.com have in common? Well, they're both available on the Internet. They both give great value. But most important, most of our positive program hosts and guests are accomplished authors. And their books are available from, you got it, Amazon.com. Now it even gets better than that. Because when you're listening on air to a HealthyLife.net host or guest, you can go directly to Amazon.com and you can order your book while you're still listening to your favorite HealthyLife.net program. So when you hear an author you like, go to the homepage of HealthyLife.net and click on Amazon.com. HealthyLife.net. Net, the positive radio network. Well, I was just thinking, everybody, I'm so glad you're with us. What is the opposite of stress? Is it love? Maybe it's empathy. I think it might be. Dr. Sierra McCauley is joining us today. And in an instant, in a moment, we can shift. We can shift our perception. We can shift our neurochemistry in a moment. Seriously, that's all it takes. We, we saw it at the beginning of the program. We can bring our attention. We can harness it. We can create a container for ourselves moment to moment to make these changes that are so important. And Dr. Sierra McCauley has written a beautiful book for us to help guide us through the process of understanding, of shifting our stress, our neurochemistry from stress, our relationships with each other to uh, empathetic um, and resilient ways of being in the world. So, Dr. Sierra McCauley, before the break I mentioned, uh, well, we were talking about performance addiction and the tests that people can take to ascertain their stress levels, their level of addiction and performance. Uh, this is a wonderful topic. And then we were going to talk about uh, the idea of um, authenticity and the importance of it in our uh, reduction of stress. So let's talk a little bit about that now. Well, you know, I wrote a chapter on authenticity at the end of the book, Marianne, because I, I think that it's so important to be able to relax within yourself and be yourself, and that's where, I, that's where empathy lives. It lives when we're comfortable in our own skin and we can reveal ourselves without pretense. Pretense is a burden, and when we're not authentic, we're pretending, we're trying so hard to please others to get them to love and respect us or to befriend us. And, but we know within ourselves all along that there's, there's a fear of revealing who we are. And, and, I, and I'm sure you've seen this too, and I, I see it all the time in my group practices that, you know, someone will be, that you know that there's something they're not telling you. And then uh, one of the women a few weeks ago said, you know, for three weeks she'd been telling people, oh, I don't want to say this, I don't want to say And then she said, oh, I, okay, my father's an alcoholic. And one of the guys looked at her, who's a very nice man, he goes, oh, you only got one alcoholic? Most of my parents are alcoholics. You know, everybody laughed. And it was as if it was some sign on her forehead that said she's no good, you know. Right. And um, another woman then, and right after that had revealed that, you know, she was pregnant in high school and she had an abortion and she's always felt, always felt 
very guilty and troubled by it. And then another woman said, well, actually, I had that experience when I was in college. And, you know, one after another, we're revealing these secrets that were living within them and, and did not allow them to open up and be authentic. Because when we're hiding one or two or three things, then we're just hiding in general. Because then I'm afraid to get close to you because you might stumble on that topic. And then if you stumble on that topic, you won't like me. And then it grows and grows and grows. And then you have something that happened to somebody when they're 16, and this woman's 43, and she's thinking that if, if anyone knows this, that I had an abortion in high school, they're all going to feel different about me. And you know what? No one did. Actually, people said one after another, they said, I feel closer to you. I feel closer to you because you seem more relaxed. And at the end, she said, I feel calmer. It's funny. I said, you changed your own neurochemistry, just what you said a moment ago to your listeners. She changed her own neurochemistry by opening up, being vulnerable, having the courage to say something that she feared and had in her mind, this whole movie, that doesn't exist. And then she found out the truth. Yeah. So when we've got these um, stories, ideas, you call them core beliefs in your book that are lodged in the unconscious most of the time. And you know the funny thing? This is like the funniest joke ever. The funny thing about the unconscious is it's the unconscious. All yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> when we say it, we're like, oh, yeah, my unconscious. Well, it doesn't know that it doesn't know. Yeah. You don't know because you don't know. So. Getting access to those beliefs is not always an easy thing, except to say that there are clues. There are symptoms that come up, behaviors that you ask us to pay attention to, um, addictive behaviors, patterns. There are ways to what I call get the tiger's tail, right, and grab on. And, yes, it does take work, but one of my favorite chapters in your book is called uh, the soul's pharmacy, I think. I'm trying to find it right now. Yeah, you're right. Ways that we can go ahead, we can identify these things, but these very practical, as you said just now, ways of being authentic. It unleashes your neurochemistry, shifts your whole physiology, your psychology, your behavior choices become ample versus focused and pointed. You know, when we're upset, it seems like we have one choice. You talk about this with anger in the book, that anger not only diminishes our, our um, uh, defense, uh, well, you know, the, 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 the body's immune system, uh, it, it has all kinds of negative effects, one of them being we come, become so single-focused, yeah. right? We think there are no choices. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, you know, I, I think you're, you're highlighting that there are cues, and our body is one of them. Pay attention to your emotions, and because that will tell you where the past lies. When we overreact to something and we know this reaction I'm having to this is much stronger than it should be, there's something behind us, not in front of us. You know, I had a, an, an opportunity to be speaking at a university, and, they, and it was in the School of Education, so they asked me to sit in this little room where they did student teaching, so they had the little disc, the desks. And I was not a good student when I was young. You know, I used to skip school, and, you know, it's a long story. But so I'm sitting in this, I'm getting ready to speak, and I'm going to talk about the novel you write early in life and how you have the... And so I'm sitting, and I'm getting uncomfortable. And I'm saying, yeah, I really like sitting in here. Because it reminded me, you know, I went to parochial school, and the nuns would look at you and say, you know, Sam Mercoli, stand up. And, of course, I didn't do my homework and this and that. And, and uh, I was a late bloomer. So the, the dean of the school, he, uh, I, I walked out in the hall, and I kept walking back and forth. He goes, oh, you're not on for 15 minutes. You can go back. I said, I don't want to go back in there. You know, what was happening? 
I was remembering being in school. Here I am at my age, and I'm ready to speak on this subject. So when I started speaking, I said, you know, I'm going to scratch my speech, and I'm going to tell you about an experience I just had because I want to tell you about how to get in touch with these things because I just had an experience. I'm sitting in this little classroom and these little desks, and it's reminding me of being in school. And I wasn't a good student. I mean, I, even in high school, I, I, it came later to me. It came later through a lot of struggles. So without even thinking about it, my body was telling me, get up and, and get out of here. And, and I'm thinking, there's nobody in the, in the room. Why do I want to get up and get out of here? Then I'll, then I'll, like it would be obvious to you if I was telling you the story, you would have said to me, oh, did you have some negative experience in school? Yeah. That's what see would have been between us, right. two people talking. Right, because when it's happening for ourselves, we're overwhelmed by the symptoms. Right, yeah. we lose the perspective. Some people call it that dual awareness. We lose the witness who's watching what's happening because yes. yep. it's happening. It eclipses our ability. So when you're with somebody else, an enlightened witness, a friend, a trusted therapist, this is where you know Carl Jung used to say it. I'm sure others did as well, but I'm a Carl Jung fan. You know, a healing happens in relationship. Yes. It, it just does. So uh, a beautiful invitation. What do we want to say to folks who feel like that this for them is a sort of a new frontier, this idea of not being so, uh, I'm, I'm an island, I only need myself, I don't need to reach out. What would we say to those folks who are listening right now about reaching out and, and getting help? You know, it used to be years ago when I first started in practice, um, it was mainly women, 80% women. Today it's 80% men. I get, I go to corporations and people introduce me as their coach. And, I, you know, I, and it, that would have never happened before. It's not a big deal. 90% of the people I see are not mentally ill. They just want to balance their lives. And you know what they really want more than anything else? Love. When we get to the end of the rainbow, I don't care how much money your house is and how many cars you have, if you don't know how to love, you're going to feel you failed at life. That's what it all comes down to. And, and put that in perspective and know that throughout life, as you get older, you'll know that will mean more than anything, always. Beautiful. Gorgeous parting words, by the way, as we are at the top of the hour. I'm so sorry to say that we have to go, and I feel like we just got started. Everybody, yeah, me too. yeah thank you so much for joining us, Dr. Sierra McCauley. We're, we're grateful that you made time to be with us today. Well, thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it very much. Oh, yeah, you're welcome back anytime. Everybody else, go online, go to wherever fine books are sold, get a copy of The Stress Solution, get on it. You don't want to be without this book. Share it with your friends. Go to balanceyoursuccess.com for more information. And please stay with us. We'll be right back right after these messages. We'll let you know who's on deck next week. All right, everybody. Hold on tight. We'll be right back. Everybody. I'm relationship expert and radio talk show host, Marianne Camarado. And I'm David Raynaud. We want to talk to you for a minute about the changing world of dating and relationships and how self-inquiry can help. I mean, did you know that 44% of the U.S. population is single and over 50% end in divorce? Yet, we spend an average of one-third of our lives trying to find a great relationship or get help with the ones we already have. Yep, that's exactly why we created the first ever of its kind, the Great Relationships Begin Within, Self-Inquiry Divination Deck, because we know what it takes to attract and create a healthy, fulfilling, sustainable relationship. And it's really simple. 
Sit quietly, close your eyes, turn your attention inward, and draw a card. You can go online right now and get a free reading on Marianne Lide and try out the cards. And for under $20, what better way to give yourself a gift of your own attention? We wish you every blessing. We'll see you next time. Check out MarianneLive.com. To be a good father is the most important job in a man's life. But it doesn't have to be hard. Play catch. Go to a park or visit a zoo. Help your child with their homework. Sit down together for dinner. Ask them how their day was. Things get busy, and sometimes we all fall short. But the smallest moments can have the biggest impact on a child's life. Take time to be a dad today. Learn more at one 877 dad or visit fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Stuff, stuff, stuff. Where can I contain all of my stuff? Hmm, how about this? The Container Store, the original storage and organization store. And I found their link on the HealthyLife.net advertiser page. They have containers for everything, including the kitchen, the bathroom, trash and recycling, traveling, spring cleaning, and dorm rooms. Just about everything you can think of to contain your stuff. The Container Store, right on the HealthyLife.net advertiser page. HealthyLife.net, where positive overcomes negative. Hey, everybody. So glad you're here with us all today. Yes, this is a place to be when we're trying to learn skills and tools and develop a practice. Dr. Arthur Sierra McCauley was with us today helping us do just that. You want to get a copy of his book, please do so. Go to balanceyoursuccess.com for more information. And another part of your practice for the day keeps coming your way. Oh, yeah. You want to join us next week for our guest who uh, right now is a Surprise. <laughs> I don't know who it is, but I'm sure it's going to be someone amazing. <laughs> so in the meantime, go do something for someone else. Don't let them know you did it. And, uh, yeah, let yourself be surprised next, next week. Uh, get a copy of our newsletter. In the meantime, uh, for sure you'll know who it is come up on Sunday who's going to be joining us here at Marion Live. All right, everybody, I wish you big blessings. Until then, take care. <laughs>